First Timothy chapter three, two verses. These things I write to you, though I hope to come to you shortly. But if I am delayed, I write so that you may know how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. Paul said, I really want to come talk to you, Timothy, my son in the gospel. I want to have a face-to-face with you. But you know how things go. I might get tied up, and I may not get there quick enough. So just in case I'm delayed, I'm going to write these things down. I'm going to send this in a letter to you because this is so urgent and important. I don't want you to miss. And Timothy, I want you and the people you lead at Ephesus, that church there, to know how you are to conduct yourself in the house of God, the church of God. And I want to talk to you today on the subject, house rules, and you can be seated. House rules. Well, every sane, ordered institution, including homes, have house rules. They may be expressed are just expected, but they're real. House rules that are consistent and understood make for a stable, happy home. Homes without house rules are the training grounds for dysfunctional losers in life. I read some house rules for a dysfunctional home. They go like this. Chew with your mouth open. Aren't you glad most of our children are in chips right now? Jump on the beds. Slam doors. Use your outside voice inside. Make a mess. Embarrass each other in public. Stay up late. Eat dessert first. I thought that was a good... I didn't know that was a dysfunctional house rule, but anyway. Have food fights, disregard good advice, blame the dog, and they say we put the fun in dysfunction. I love that line. Then I read some house rules that I've seen before. I Googled and wanted to find it because I thought they were pretty good. House rules. If you open it, close it. If you turn it on, turn it off. If you unlock it, lock it. If you drop it, pick it up. If you empty it, fill it. If you break it, fix it. If you don't know how to fix it, get someone who can. If you borrow it, return it. If you use it, take care of it. If you make a mess, clean it up. If you move it, Put it back. If it belongs to someone else and you want to use it, get permission first. I think if you don't do that, it's called stealing. (laughs) But anyway, maybe not in the house, right? If you don't know how to operate it, leave it alone. And if it doesn't concern you, don't mess with it. And to all parents, these house rules will be on sale in the Welcome Center after church today for the one-day low price of $9.95, no postage and handling. Not really, I'm just kidding. Since my wife and I are grandparents now, 
I discovered uh, rules for grandparents. It goes like this. Grandchildren, welcome at any time. Parents, by appointment only. <laughs> I really like that. Well, Paul writes the books of 1st and 2nd Timothy, Titus. They're called pastoral epistles. They're written by this amazing apostle to his sons in the gospel. 1st and 2nd Timothy are written to Timothy, who is pastoring at a young age. He's pastoring a church in the city of Ephesus, a large, modern, pagan city. And in 1st Timothy, there's this doctrinal and instructional advice to this young man and the people that he leads. The, the key verse of 1 Timothy is 3.16. The Bible said, and without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. I think I'd like you to see this verse. Great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifested in the spirit, justified, excuse me, manifested in the flesh, justified in the spirit. That way if you see it, you'll know if I misquote it. Seen of angels, preached among the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up into glory. God did all of that. That's why we know that there is one God who came in flesh as Jesus Christ. When Paul writes this letter, you can tell he's pretty fired up about something or some things. And he tells Timothy, now I feel a sense of urgency to come to you. But you never know. I mean, back then, you don't hop on a train or take a plane. You're going to ride on a horse or in a coach or probably take a boat, and you never know what's going to happen. You can have a broken wheel, a broken shoe on the horse. You can have a shipwreck. He had that happen to him. So you never know what's going to delay him. So Paul said, in case I get delayed, I'm going to write this stuff down for you, and he evidently sends it by a scribe. So now Timothy has this authoritative letter from Paul in writing for himself and for every one he leads. The King James says, so you may know how to conduct yourself, but other versions say that they, that all of you, will know how to operate in this house of God. This stuff is urgent and it's extremely important. Now, what is so urgent? He says, I want you to know how to conduct yourself in the house of God, he draws an image of a family, a family that has house rules. He said, Timothy, I want you to know how to operate in this family called the church. Your dad was not a Christian. He wasn't even a Jew like your mom. So you probably missed a little bit growing up. So I'm going to tell you some house rules so you will know how to live. Now, a church, like a home, needs a head. And there needs to be some house rules. And Paul evidently thinks that the active situations at work in Ephesus are so threatening to the life of the church that he's got to expedite this letter. I mean, this was a FedEx overnight letter to Timothy because this stuff is so urgent. He really tells him in the beginning of the book, I want you to tell everyone, don't preach any other doctrine. Be careful, Timothy, that you don't get wrapped up in all kind of fables and things that don't really lead to a sound church. And he said, you know, the goal of all of that we teach is love from a pure heart, of a good conscience, 
and a faith that is sincere. And any other teaching that gets people all knotted up in arguments and peripheral issues, all of that stuff is not worth it, Timothy. And anybody in your church there or in the churches around you that is getting everybody all caught up in stuff that doesn't matter, tell them to shut up, command them not to teach like that. Everything you teach ought to build soundness and strength. I don't want a dysfunctional church house. I want a house that's called the church that is functional and healthy and that is built on something that will ground them. I want it to build people. I want it to build people who have sincere faith. I've observed in my ministry that some people are always worked up about some issue and they get caught up in everything going on in the culture. They're all worried about something that is passing. But if you teach and preach the Bible, if you live and love the truth, it will build into you the strength and solidity of Jesus Christ. It will make you so that you are stable and strong as a Christian. Paul tells them some people have drifted away. He names their names, Hymenaeus and Alexander. They've made spiritual shipwreck. Paul said, I've turned them over to Satan. So they will, they will learn not to blaspheme. That's a fascinating verse in itself. Timothy, I want you to have a good conscience. I don't want you to be like people who are not living according to these house rules. If I'm delayed, I write to you. So you know how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and the ground of the truth. Now, Paul wants Timothy to know that this house has house rules. They're not arbitrary. They're not random. You know, the home I grew up in was a a well-ordered home. Mom and dad served the Lord and raised us to make Jesus Christ and his church the center of our home. I wrote about it in our newsletter this month, what I, what, you know, what I love about the church, what the church means to me. But we didn't have a perfect home because it was made up of people. And sometimes there was a little inconsistency in our home. It was very serious. It was like this. If dad wasn't too tired, my dad was a carpenter, all three of us, or you know, three boys and one sister, we could wrestle in the living room. It was hardwood floors covered with carpet, plastered walls in South Florida, and we could just tear it up. But then, out of nowhere, you know, one day my dad said, Wait, no wrestling in the living room. Where did that come from? If you do, you're going to shake the walls and the plaster will crack. Like, oh my goodness, this is a disastrous thing. We're going to have an earthquake in this house, you know? Well, that was about the the depth of the inconsistency in the home I was raised in. And you can tell I'm deeply scarred by that experience of wrestle, don't wrestle. But some of you are raised when you didn't know whether your father or mother were going to be drunk or high or abusive or cursing or swearing. That's the kind of house you were raised in. But you're no longer just in a natural home. You've come into the house of God, the church of the living God, the pillar and the ground of truth. You have come into a functional family, not a dysfunctional family. And what makes it strong and solid and safe is that it has house rules. Now, in the book of 
First Timothy, Paul lays a lot of them out. But he tells, he tells the writer of Hebrews tells us that earthly parents raise us the best they can, but God's better than that. He doesn't have inconsistencies like you can wrestle in the living room one day and you can't wrestle the next. So I'm going to go through some of the house rules of the book of 1 Timothy, and I'm just going to summarize them briefly, okay? And you'll be glad I summarized them. Because in six short chapters, there's a lot. Before our text, I think there are four main house rules, and he elaborates on these. The first of them is that we need to pray a lot, and we pray for everyone. How many think that's a good house rule? He said we need praying men who have dealt with their wrath and anger issues. And we also need to have women who are modest. How many think that's a good house rule? Then he gave some house rules for bishops. Somebody wants to be a church leader, a pastor, a bishop. He gave some guidelines for bishops. And then he gave guidelines for deacons, those that would be leaders under a pastor in a local church. He gives specific guidelines because it isn't just, well, I feel called to preach. Well, are you qualified to preach? I feel called to lead in the church. Or are you living these qualifications that are laid out in these house rules in the book of 1 Timothy? And in chapter 3, we get our text and that great truth about the nature of God. And then after that, Timothy gives, or Paul gives Timothy what I think are about 26 house rules. It depends on how you break them down. It would be one for every letter in our English alphabet. That's why I'm going to summarize them. He says, again, avoid fables and endless genealogies. He said, if you're going to lead in this church, you've got to learn to labor and suffer reproach. He says, Timothy, you need to be an example of believers in the way you live your life. Even though you're young, you don't get a pass for being immature. You're to be an example of believers. He says, Timothy, if you're going to lead this church, you need to read and meditate and master doctrine. He said, Timothy, I laid my hands on you. You've got spiritual gifts. Don't neglect those spiritual gifts. Timothy, I want you to give yourself completely to your ministry so your profiting will appear to everyone. Timothy, if you're going to lead in the church, you need to take heed first to yourself and then the doctrine that you teach so you will be saved and the people that hear you. And he said, Timothy, you need to work on relationships. I want you to treat older men like fathers. Don't rebuke them. I want you to treat older women like mothers. I want you to treat younger men like brothers. I want you to treat younger women like sisters with all purity. I want you to have healthy relationships in the house of God, the church of the living God, which is the pillar and the ground of truth. This is not a dysfunctional house with no rules. This is a place that operates by principles. Now, there are a lot of people that don't talk to anyone who is not exactly like them. They don't have older friends and younger friends. But in this house of God, Timothy said, Paul told Timothy, we're to be a multi-generational church. And these generations are to interact. And you're to learn. Another place the Bible says that older women should teach the younger women. There is a place for all of us in this family called the church. 
Now, then there's like four different times that Paul gives Timothy advice about working with widows, people that were without families. He tells them in quite a section some qualifications of the kind of person you would take care of. He tells these men and tells Timothy to teach that if you don't provide for your own household, you're worse than an infidel. You need to work, make a living, take care of your family. How many think that's a good house rule? Yeah. Get a job, get a life, take care of your family. And gives more help about these widows and who qualifies for help. That they haven't been lazy, but they've helped other people when they could. He gives some advice about younger women that are widows, that they should remarry if possible, that they shouldn't be busybodies in everybody else's stuff, but they should live their life and uh, get their act together. And if God will, get remarried. He talks about that. And then he gives advice that if you're a widow and your family could help you, that they should help you first, not the church. And then he says, you know what? If somebody's working for the church, they should be rewarded by being paid by the church. And if they labor in the word and doctrine, they're worthy of double honor. And then he says, Timothy, if anybody comes to you and they make an accusation against a church leader, against an elder, do not listen to it unless it is in the mouth of two or three witnesses because we're not going to have anybody come under attack by some frivolous complaint. We want to make sure that there's good grounds. But if a leader sins, he said, rebuke before all that everybody will know the consequences of sin. Timothy, don't show partiality. Be careful, Timothy, about putting people in authority. Don't lay hands on any man suddenly. Make sure that a leader in your church has earned the right to lead by being a respected person. Timothy, keep yourself pure. Don't be a partaker of other men's sins. And then I want you to tell everyone who's an employer or an employee in that day was slave or slave owner that they're to treat one another with respect. And then he starts talking about money and contentment, that you need to be content with what you have, food and clothes. That Then he deals with this idea about fighting the good fight of faith. Be unrebukable. Live your life without spot. And then he comes back and talks about wealthy people again, that if God has blessed you with money, that you're to share that with other people and you're to be a blessing. He says to Timothy, everything I've told you, I want you to keep it. It is committed to your trust. Everybody say house rules. House Paul goes through a long list. That's about 30 house rules, depending how you break them down. And Paul doesn't say, I know this is a little heavy. I know this is a long list. He says, look, if we're going to operate in this house, if we're going to keep our sanity and our harmony, we need house rules. Now, there's a reason. He said, you see, this house of God is the church of the living God, and the church is the pillar and the ground of truth. Buildings in that day that were multi-story would have had large pillars or columns that held them up. But Paul doesn't say that the church is one of many pillars of a culture or a society. He said the church is the pillar of everything. It is the ground or the foundation of all truth. I think you may know this, but every civilization that lasts is founded on the pillar and the ground of truth. 
every good government of the world is founded on the Ten Commandments given in the Bible that tell us our relationship with God and how to treat other people. We learn to not lie and steal and cheat on our spouse in the Ten Commandments and it makes for a great culture. He said, Timothy, this house of God is a church of God. It is a pillar and it is the ground of truth. If you live by these house rules, Timothy, you're going to learn to have healthy relationships that will last a lifetime. You're going to have people that aren't spiritually retarded. They're going to be spiritually healthy. Because their experience is not just based on some interaction with God that lasted in a Pentecostal church service that came and went, but they walked out the door and they built their life on something more solid than just a touch of God. They have the Word of God at work in their life. Now some of you, since I started preaching, are acting like you've been called in the principal's office. Because you think I'm getting ready to get on to you about Atlanta West House rules or Pastor John's house rules. I'm not going there today. I want to tell you that there's something superior to all of that. It is called the Bible. And it is the pillar and it is the ground of truth. And there's enough here that will keep us straight and it will keep us saved. You see, we were spiritually born in the house our father built, and he is building it right now. Remember from last week, upon this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The church, the house of God, this family that we're a part of, is not a dysfunctional family. It is a family that has a foundation that is built on the word of God. And Paul said, you need to know how to behave yourself how to conduct yourself in the house of God, the church of God. Now, I'm amazed by people, excuse me. You say, you know, that Old Testament was all about law, and the New Testament is all about grace, and that's all about rules in the Old Testament, but the New Testament is all about liberty, do whatever you want. You can go buy this at the grocery store. It's called baloney. <laughs> Jesus said, I have not come to destroy the law. I've come to actually fulfill it. Jeremiah said, when you receive the Spirit, God's going to put His law inside of you so it's no longer imposed commandments. They are expressed out of the holy life prompted by the Holy Spirit. Jesus took the law to an even higher level. He said, you know, in the Old Testament, you learned to not murder. But I can tell you that you can never murder someone with a gun or murder them with your lips. You can slander them and their kindred spirits because you're trying to destroy another human being who is made in the image of God. Jesus said, 
You've heard of them in the old time, in the Old Testament, that you should not commit adultery, that you should not be sexually immoral. But I say to you that it's more than just the act of immorality, but it is a spirit. I say to you that if you look on a woman to lust after her, you've committed adultery already in your heart. I'm not lowering the standard. I'm raising the standard that you're going to be pure, not just outwardly, but inwardly as well. It's got to start on the inside. But Jesus, in the Sermon on the Mount, gave us three chapters of house rules. House rules. You never knew when you got up today that you were coming to church to hear a sermon about house rules. But I didn't make them. Our Heavenly Father did. And he gave us this book called the Bible. Some people only see it as a rule book. I see it as a road map. I see it like an owner's manual that you get when you buy a car. That it tells you how to deal with life and godliness. And every kind of situation that will happen in your life. It's all in the book. It will guide you to a successful life for time and for eternity. It's all in this book that I'm calling house rules. And Timothy... This is so urgent. I want to tell you in person, but let me FedEx it to you. Let me fax it over to you that you need to know how to conduct yourself in this house. Now the Bible, we love the part about saying this is a house of mercy. My house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. I'm not sure if we like this idea. It's a house of house rules. But there are. And in our local church, we believe in trying to apply the principles of the Bible with integrity, with consistency, with understanding, and with mercy. But we heartily endorse the house rules of this book. We embrace them, and we obey the principles, and we try to apply them to standards of living in every way in our life. We don't create them randomly or arbitrarily, but understanding what God said and what the Spirit says and how we can be His ambassadors and His children in a wicked world. You ever heard of best practices? Yeah, we believe in best spiritual practices that make us a people of contrast in a dark world because we are the light of the world and we are ambassadors for Jesus Christ. You see, we found that the family of God, God's church, functions with health and harmony when we embrace and exhibit our Heavenly Father's house rules. And when you abandon those house rules you also walk away from the father of this house this is the house of God the church of the living God it's his house and I'm not talking about this building I am talking about this people understand once a time there was a, there was a young guy he got sick and tired of his dad's house rules. He decided, I'm leaving. Take what I can get from dad, I'm out of here. His dad graciously gave him 
is part of the inheritance. And this kid hit the road. He was pretty excited about it because he was done living under his dad's roof and he was really done living under his dad's rules. He was free as a bird. No rules, just right. Down the road to a far country where no one could tell him what to do or how to spend his money. But he found out that there were lots of people who were willing to help him spend his money. He got caught up in riotous living, carrying on like a crazy man. And he went through his morality and his money faster than he'd ever dreamed. Ended up at dead bottom, dead broke. Couldn't even find somebody to give him a job to feed the pigs so he could eat their food. He's at the bottom. He starts thinking. The Bible says he came to himself. He said, you know what? This is really dumb. The way I'm living is crazy living. So I look back at my dad's house and even his slaves, even his servants live better than me and they eat better than me. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going home. Got up from where he was, dusted himself off, started thinking about what he was going to say when he saw his dad. So when I see my dad, this is what I'm going to say to him. Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. And that was true. He was no longer worthy. He had forfeited the rights of sonship. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Father, why don't you just make me one of your hired servants? And I believe that that prodigal rehearsed that speech over and over and over while he walked back up that long, long road that led back to his father's house. The coolest part of the story, I mean, there's a lot of amazing things. So the dad sees him a long way off, recognizes it's his boy coming home. He runs to meet him and they embrace. And the boy, I don't know what his demeanor was. I have a feeling in his brokenness, he was bawling his eyes out. He starts in his speech. He says, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. And I am no more worthy to be called your son. And before he could open his mouth to say, make me a servant, his dad interrupted him, stopped him right there. He said, hey, servant, go bring me a robe. Bring me the sandals. Bring me the ring, the signet ring of authority. Go kill the fatted calf for this son that was dead is alive again. He was lost, but he is now found. I want to tell you today that if you've ever walked away, you can come back home. You don't have to be a servant in his house. You're a son. You're a daughter. Amen. 
He said, I want to give you the protection of a robe and some sandals. I'm going to give you the power of a ring of authority. I'm going to give you the provision of a fatted calf. Everything you walked away from is in the Father's house. It may have house rules, but it's got everything you need for life and godliness. Come and get it, son. Amen. Hey, you may get offended by the part of the Bible that says, Come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing. But I like the part when he said the next verse, And I will be a father to you, and you will be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. Give me the house. Give me the house rules, but give me the father. Give me my sandals. Give me my robe. Give me my authority. Give me my provision. I'll take the house with the house rules if I can have the relationship with my father. You see, no matter what you do, you can get mad and walk away from God. You can go live it your way. You live your life your way. Make your own rules. Be your own God. Do whatever you want. But you will walk away from the Father's house and the Father. And the house rules of the Bible will never change. God in His mercy will wait on you. I'm not saying you'll always make it back. Some don't. But the house will still be there and the rules will never change. You've got to change yourself to comply and submit to the authority of Jesus Christ in your life. He's not bending his rules for you. You've got to bend your will and bend your knee to him because this is his house. Why don't you worship him and why don't you submit to him right now? Why don't you say, Lord, help me know how to conduct myself in the house of God. I want the blessing of my father. I want the covering of my father's house. And like the good home I was raised in, it's never going to be perfect. I'm talking about the real world church of a human leader and human brothers and sisters. And I've heard people say, I don't want to go to church with hypocrites. Well, maybe there's some in the church, but I would rather go to church with the hypocrite than go to hell with the hypocrite. So give me my father's house. And don't say that you can love the Father and not love His house. There is no way that you can be in a right relationship with God if you're not in a right relationship with the kids that God calls His. All of our flaws, we're His kids. We're one body, one family, the church. And you might as well make up your mind to get along with us if you want to go to heaven with us. Amen. Would you please bow your heads? Lord, we have a choice to make today. To either submit to your authority and your word of house rules or to walk away from the house and the father of the house and live our lives our own way. You're so clear in your word, Lord, that the, the way of a transgressor is hard. And there's a way that seems right to us. 
Just like the prodigal, Lord, the end is the way of death. I pray, Lord, that you would help us in our culture, Lord, where everybody is right in their own eyes and everyone thinks that they're in authority over everything, that you would help us, Lord, not compromise the convictions of the Bible, that you would give us the courage, oh God, and the humility to live in this house in a right relationship with you. And Lord, if there's somebody here today that is in this physical house, this church, but they are lost in the house, they're living by their own ideas, Lord. We know, Lord, it's not working out that good because we're fools when we try to run our own lives. We make one mess after another. We go from one pig pen to another. We waste ourselves, God, and lose everything you've given us and we walk away. Pray again, Lord, because I feel it right now as I'm praying over your people. Because there's people that are deceived in this place right now. They think they can come and go from the Father's house and still have the favor of the Father. But we know, Lord, it's a package deal. That if we have you, we have house rules. Lord, while somebody's headed in the wrong direction today, thinking it's not so bad yet, before they reach bottom, I pray that they would come to themselves, turn around, and come to you. To come in this house of mercy, in this house of prayer, in this house of hope, oh God. In Jesus' name, I pray. And would you just open your heart to the Lord right now, right where you are. Just lift your hands to the Lord. Or just lift your heart to the Lord. Say, Lord, help me know how to conduct myself in the house of God. Help me build my life, Lord, on this pillar and ground of truth. Help me, Lord Jesus, to reject the sinking sand of society and build my life on the only thing that is unshakable, the unshakable kingdom of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let the Spirit move in you right now. Some of you never had a loving earthly father. Some of you never knew what it was like to be a part of a functional home. Welcome home. Welcome to the house of God. The church of the living God. The pillar and ground of truth. Come on in. Make yourself at home. Let Jesus restore everything you've lost. That's it. Pray on right now, just a little while. Before we do anything else, I want to encourage you to just pray. And lift your voice. There is a move, a flow of the Spirit right now. Hallelujah. 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 There's a redemptive Father right now, a redemptive reach in this house. Your dad's coming to meet you right now.
as you're coming home to him, he's coming to meet you. Hallelujah. 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 Would you pray for the person next to you right now? If, you see, if you're seated near someone, just pray for them right now. You may think they're right with God. You don't know the struggles they're having. You don't know how empty they may feel inside. You may not know how much they long for the acceptance of the Father. Hallelujah. That's it. Get healthy today. Get help today. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. That's it. As you submit yourself to God, you have power to resist the devil. As you say yes to your heavenly Father, he says yes to sonship, to bringing you back as a daughter into relationship today. Enough of this running. Enough of this rebellion. Enough of this. Come home today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There's a flow of God's Spirit right now reaching, reaching for you. That's it. Don't just come back in the building. Come back into a relationship. Come back into a relationship. Don't come halfway. Don't come on your terms. Come back on His terms. That's it. It's the only way it will work is if you come back into a right relationship, fully submitted to the Father. That's it. As you're praying, I'd like for, to invite you to please stand and in one motion begin to move toward this altar. Walk away from where you're seated and join the family of God at a place of prayer today. Join God and His family at a family altar. Come find a place of sweet surrender, of wonderful healing. Find a place of spiritual health. Find a place of love and acceptance. Come as close as you can. Leave room in the aisles. That's it. Keep coming. And as you come, pray. Amen. Our altar counselors are here looking for people who need prayer. Later, we'll baptize people in Jesus' name. If you've never been baptized in Jesus' name, there'll be an opportunity for you to be baptized. Just tell anyone we'll lead you to a place of instruction and baptism in Jesus' name. Now, let's open up to the Lord. Let healing flow in this altar right now. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ. That's it. Lift your voice. If you did not come to the altar, please pray where you are. Make your seat an altar right now and open your heart to the Lord and pray right now.